0: John Owen says, "Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. You you need to revile your sin, and um, and if you don't have that, it means a grace. If you don't have that, get to know Jesus, get to know who He is, His holiness. We want to disdain our sin. We want to be rid of it. Um, if you're regenerate, you're gonna want to follow Christ." Welcome to Pastors with Pourovers, conversations about coffee and the Christian faith. My name is Cody.
1: And my name is Kyle. I was a little caught off guard there because I was looking (laughs) up, we have like a countdown now, and I was like saying something during the countdown and you just went for it. So uh, yeah,
0: I just started talking. Well, it could have been a good intro. The music starts and then you hear me say, I feel like we're forgetting something. (laughs) Um yeah this is our first take which we we're learning means that it's gonna be less funny because we're funnier Always. if we fail to take yeah exactly. and then have yeah. to redo it um but yeah and now cody has
1: real internet so theoretically we should be fine but theoretically you never know theoretically just, he also has a little dinosaur on his uh, shelf I'll show everyone your dinosaur in the video nice
0: dinosaur if i if I hit it, it changes colors, but then it's very difficult.
1: A little abusive, but kind of fun at the same time.
0: It's very difficult to <laughs> get it the color I want. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. Oh, shoot. Come on. Uh, uh, go green. It, it's stuck now. Too bad. Be green. Oh, no, <laughs> it went past it. So anyways, we drink coffee. <laughs>
1: Well, I'll go while you're trying to figure out your dinosaur <laughs> problems. I'll, I'll talk about right. what I got. So, uh, I have coffee from the local chemist is what it's called in these cool, uh, they're called crawlers. Um, what? cause basically, so he it's in Kelowna, it's a guy in Kelowna, who roasts his own, uh, coffee and he has like a, a cafe in like a, I think it's like a brew pub basically. Um, mm. And so he uses these, and if you're in the area, you can bring them in, and he'll just refill these for you. So, which is pretty cool. Um, this is called Stranger Things. Nice. Medium, sorta dark, but not. And so basically, Does it say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Basically, what? Uh, so I got this. He has a cool like sale thing going on right now. Uh, every now and then he's doing like flash sales of them. So I, I got in on one of those, bought a couple of these for, um, to use for espresso. And, um, basically why he says medium sort of dark is cause it's like, he's like, this is kind of as dark as I want to go. So that doesn't get super oily. Um, cause a lot mm. of time, darker coffee beans start getting oily because they're, you know, because of how long they're roasted. So he's hitting that sweet spot of medium dark. um, so it's been really good so far. I have followed him on Instagram for a while. Um, and I've wanted to try his coffee, but like I'd never go to Kelowna uh, and mm-hmm. shipping is expensive. So um, now I was like, I'm going to go for it and got it. It's good. So I made an Americano today.
0: A canister is enough of a gimmick that I want it. Like that, that yeah, for me. That sells me. I'm, I'm a sucker for those things. I'm like, it comes in a cool container. It's good. Yeah,
1: I'll buy it. It's like any book that has a nice uh, book cover, even mm. if like, even if I'm never going to read the book, I'll see the book cover or the ones that feel nice as well. I'll feel I'll be like, I'm just going to buy this. This is so nice.
0: There were really good books that have tragically awful covers that I'm just like, I, let me help you like. I don't have any close by. Everything on my shelf is intentionally, aesthetically (laughs) pleasing (laughs) books. But, um, yeah, there have been books that I'm like, this is such a solid book. Why does this cover have to be so bad? Um, Speaking of bad covers, no, just kidding. Uh, My coffee's less exciting. I'm drinking another 49th. I got this for uh, one reason I drink a lot of 49th parallel is because sometimes when I go into work, there's just like a bag, like an open bag of beans. and the manager will say, oh, yeah, I needed to dial something in. You can have those if you want. So I take them nice. if they're new. So this is a Brazil CTO, C- C- CTO de la-, la la, I think is how you'd pronounce it with the accents. Brazil would be Portuguese, I believe. And I know a little bit of Spanish, but it's still I not helpful. Know. Anyways, it tastes like <laughs> floral, hazelnut, and prune. And prune, just prune oh, are such prune. a... Not nice thing, but I feel like prune is a tasting note. I usually don't mind.
1: I just like like, prune, just sounds gross. Yeah, I don't even. I just think of like wrinkly
0: things when I think of prunes. I guess maybe I can kind of get that. Well, and it's so close. Well, like you think they'd just say plum because it sounds nicer, you know, but it's pretty good. I did the uh, Kyle Rosell is that his name? His double-double method?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your your man, the other Kyle. Um, it's, uh, the way I have it written makes it seem so complicated, that method, and it just, like, I need things where I just, like, pour and then I pour again or something like that. <laughs> All this, like, finish your first pour around this time. I'm like, I, oh, yeah, I don't I have the attention span for that. And then if someone comes in and is like, hey, Cody, what you doing? I'm like, I've ruined it. <laughs> like,
1: Honestly, I though, like, okay, this will probably like tick off some of the the pour over purists or whatever. But like, there's been times where I'm doing like four or five pours for a pour over. and am like, mm-hmm. letting it go down like 30 seconds or whatever. And then I get distracted and I walk away from it. And I'm like oh shoot, I still have to do two more pours and I go back and like the bed is basically dry and it's been like three, four minutes and I'm just like, oh, whatever. And I just pour it and it's fine. Like, so I, wow. I'm sure it could have been better, but it's like, no, this was good. So
0: that's like coffee that. heresy, I'm sure.
1: I'm sure I'm going to get kicked would, out of the secret society of coffee lovers or something.
0: I was doing pour overs for an event a couple days ago. Um, just through our cafe, they sometimes get asked to do events. And everything looked really cool, and lots of people were taking videos, but almost nobody got coffee. Everyone's (laughs) like, we love pour-overs, and they took videos and stuff, but very few people got it. But we could not get it to taste good. And I'm not, like, I was using Chemexes, because Chemexes are pretty, but it just was not tasting good but everyone's like it's so good because it's a pour over i'm like okay you believe that if you want yeah. but we use the same beans in the cafe and we make it in just a machine and tastes way better than what we were doing pour overs there so
1: yeah anyways that's the funny thing as long as it looks like you know what you're doing people are like wow this is this is a incredible coffee right there
0: yeah that's the thing the, in- the, wait hold on that's the mystery of coffee. Mm. Transition. <laughs> I think every
1: episode every we we're calling out the transitions. And at some point we just have to like go
0: for it. I don't know. We've been talking about coffee for like eight minutes. And we need to discipline ourselves. <laughs> discipline ourselves.
1: For... Dude the read growth of our spiritual life, which means God's decree is very important. So today we're going to be talking about (laughs) paragraph seven of uh, the 1689 (laughs) chapter three of God's decree. As you can tell, Uh, we're so polished today. It's incredible. Um, So, Yeah, we're going to be talking about God's decree. And specifically this week, this is the end of chapter three. um, And on the topic of assurance, uh, we want to talk about kind of our struggle with sin, our struggle with doubt, even in the Christian life. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation because um, a lot of people struggle with sin. Uh, Well, everyone struggles with sin. And a lot of people struggle with doubt, even after being Christian for many, many years. And so, What does the Bible have to say about this? Cody, why don't you start us off and read the paragraph? Right.
0: 1689, paragraph 7 of chapter 3. There we go. Um, The doctrine of the high mystery of predestination is to be handled with special prudence and care that men attending the will of God revealed in His Word, and yielding obedience thereunto, may, from the certainty of their effectual vocation, be assured of their eternal election. So shall this doctrine afford matter of praise, reverence, and admiration of God, and of humility, diligence, and abundant consolation to all, the sinc- all that sincerely obey the Gospel. Ooh, words. Okay, we got it oh oh
1: i just had something fall but it's okay it was it's it's nothing keep going
0: (laughs) the paragraph was so long that it made things fall off your wall it freaked me out Um, wow so anyways the the first part first thing mentioned in this paragraph which i tried to use as a transition point but it's okay is that there is mystery in this doctrine and in all of what we've been talking about with God's decree these last couple weeks in this almost mini series on uh, chapter three, there is mystery. We don't want to pretend it is easy to come to terms with this. We don't want to pretend that, you know, we have it all figured out and we don't want to insist on being able to, to break it down and systematize every little aspect of things into our own little like theological boxes of our own understanding. Like this, this is a mysterious topic, a mysterious doctrine. There's things we just don't fully understand.
1: Yeah, and the, the important thing about that, I think, is that that's not a cop-out to say it's a mystery. Like there is a, definitely a, a period of time where I thought if I said I don't know or it's like, yeah, it doesn't really make like logical sense to me. That, that was a cop-out, but it's not. It's speaking of the mystery mm. of God that we can't comprehend Him and His ways. Um, and um that's something that maybe like people in our culture today are not a huge fan of, not having like everything kind of wrapped in a bow and, and perfect like that. Mm. Um, you know, we have a very uh, a culture that's very much like, you know, on different issues, it's like, well, what does the science say? Science says this, this is the answer. Um, but then at the same time can be very, um, relativistic and and be like, whatever is true for you is true for you and what's true for me. So it's very, uh, it's very funny in that sense, but, um, talking about a mystery in this sense, when it comes to religious things is very difficult for some people. Um, a lot of the times, because when it comes to that kind of faith aspect, we want it
0: to be certain. I I was in a, I joined a Facebook group a Christian Facebook group, which is all, almost always a mistake, except for we're in one called Coffee and Calvinism, which, shout out to them, is like the best Facebook group. Is it, yeah, pretty well. it truly is. It's so positive. I love it. But I joined another Christian Facebook group, and I was there for like two days, and just the level of like simmering hatred for Calvinists in this group was just a little bit too much. But I saw one person be like, how, how can Calvinists hold this and claim to mystery so arrogant to claim something and then claim it's mystery and like actually it's it's kind of arrogant to think that there isn't a mystery like it's it's concerning if we think we can explain absolutely everything and one thing that stood out to me when I did a paper on this in Bible college when I wasn't a Calvinist and I was just sort of seeking these things out I read Calvin's Institutes and I I, I've copied out the quote here because I think it's really cool. It's a, a little bit long, but we'll get through this quick. Calvin says, It is not right that a man should with imputiny pry into things which the Lord has been pleased to conceal within himself and scan that sublime eternal wisdom, which it is his, his pleasure that we should not apprehend but adore. And he goes on to say these secrets of his will, which he has seen it meet to manifest are revealed in his word, revealed in so far as he knew to be con." to our interest and welfare which he's, he's saying basically god told us what we need to know and it's arrogant for us to try and to pry into things he hasn't revealed mm-hmm. deuteronomy
1: uh 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the lord our god but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of his law Um, Mm -hmm. It's funny that people, you know, I'm just just reading that now um, that the end there that like uh, that we may do all the words of his law. So he's revealed things to us that we may do all the things, uh, all the words of his law. And oftentimes we aren't even looking to obey what he's given us or accept um, what he's already revealed to us. And we're like, we want more. We want more Mm -hmm. and more. It's like, man, he's given us so much already um, but the secret things belong to the Lord because he is um, uh, that's what we talk about when, when we say God is holy that he's different from us that doesn't just mean uh, it, it, when it means set apart it means that he's he's also just different than us um, he's not human like us right mm-hmm. um, and so there are ways in which God works um, which Isaiah says are higher than ours and thoughts that are higher than ours as well. So when we come to, that's why we really hold scripture as like the standard for all things and why we go back to, and for us personally, why we believe in like, you know, the doctrine of sola scriptura, scripture alone is because we believe this is what God has revealed to us. And so we want to take it as, take him at his word and take what he's revealed and not go beyond the bounds of what his word has revealed to us.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's so important like you reread that already, that attending to the will of God revealed in his word and, and yielding obedience there like the idea is that um, we only want to affirm what scripture says so that we're not being distracted so that we're actually obeying it. And then that's something you saw in the Pharisees when Jesus came in, they had added all this stuff that was so beyond scripture and they were so stressed, putting all this time and energy into obeying those things and following those things but then they didn't even really know the word of God. They weren't even really obeying what God told them. And, and like mm-hmm. Jesus says at one point, like um, you search the scriptures because you think you have life in them, but if you really knew them, you'd see that they're speaking about me. Like he calls them out. He's like, you read these, but you're so distracted by peripheral things, you're missing the point. And, and that's important in these discussions that, and we've said before, like we, we, we see election predestination that's there oh i said something it sounded too much like siri um election predestination those things are are there shh, shh go away <laughs> siri what is predestination <laughs> there's no idea those things sound too much uh too much like hey siri okay um wow way to throw me off track i was on a roll there i'll pick up where uh, you left off and keep
1: it going because yeah, that's, that's where we see the rest of the, the paragraph come into effect where he's talking about our, our, predestination, uh, and you know, these are all things that God has revealed to us in his word. And then what the 16 continues to say is that from knowing predestination and, and this great mystery of it, um, from the certainty of our effectual vocation, we can be assured of our eternal election. And mm. so it brings us right to the assurance that this doctrine of predestination uh, has rested. We had um, no work in our salvation to make it possible. And because of that, we can be assured that God's the one who's holding us um, in our salvation as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really the capstone. the, 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 The big jewel in this whole chapter is our assurance. Salvation, justification, our standing before him, it's secure. Um, and we see this especially in the Gospel of John and Jesus' words in the Gospel of John, because uh I think this is something where you know, i've I've heard weird arguments where people are like, oh, that's just Paul or that's just Calvin or whatever, but Jesus says uh, john six thirty seven all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out." And then later in chapter ten he says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand.
1: Yeah, these verses are, um, s- these are some where, you know, I grew up in, uh, in church that taught once you're saved, you're always saved, like that assurance mm-hmm. of salvation um you can never lose it um and these are verses that were always used for that kind of assurance i remember going through like kids club and this is one of the um key verses that they taught us in that like right after john three sixteen, you go to john 10 27 through 29 mm-hmm. and uh, just this whole idea of that you know christ is saying i have sheep which we've talked about right he has his elect he has his people and they're never going to perish. No one's going to snatch them in my hand. What he's saying there is no one's powerful enough to take them away from me. Um, I've had friends and and different people who have maybe struggled with this doctrine of assurance. Um, or even just with the idea that they, you know, because they're Christians now, um, what if they sin really badly? And mm-hmm. um, you'll I'll bring up a verse like this. I've brought I've brought up these verses with them before. And the, the comeback is, well, but I could give it up and I could walk away. And what Jesus is saying here in this is not only is like someone else not going to be able to come and take you out of his hands, like that also includes you, right? Mm-hmm. No one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. You're not going to be, you, you don't just walk away um, and, and lose your salvation in that sense. He keeps you, he holds you because salvation is based on, on him.
0: I think the, the immediate comfort in that is, like we mentioned, when we're struggling with sin, which all of us do. We all struggle with sin, um, you know, especially in Reformed camps. Like, there are ideas out there uh, that say, like, oh, you'll be, you can be fully sanctified in this life and be without sin. But that's just not biblical. Even Paul talks about his struggle. Um, but no matter how much we struggle, you know, Hebrews 1.10 says, We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Our atonement is definite, to use the theological term. It's set in stone. Our sins have been paid for by the blood of Christ. And if he's paid for our sin and stands as our new mediator, no one, no one can bring any charge against us. Like, there's nothing, like, it's dealt with. Your, your sins, past, present Future, they're dealt with, and that's something I've seen, and that I, I, in like people asking questions online, and again in my childhood with just misunderstanding, I had this thought like, if I sin, and I die before I repent for that specific sin, am I just going straight to hell? But, and I think that's like a weirdly unchecked idea out there. Like there are a lot of people who feel that way, but but your sin is paid for confessing for an individual sin while that's important um oh what's the wording like the first of the of Martin Luther's theses is like the that a Christian would be repentance is that they'd live a life marked by repentance or something like that is like repentance is an Mm -hmm. important part of the Christian life but that's not we're not actively saving ourselves by repenting Christ's blood on the cross is what paid the price for our sin
1: yeah, and I, like, growing up as well, I, I felt the same way. I don't even know if anyone taught me that, Um, but just the idea, like, when I would pray at night before bed, um, I would be, I would pray, Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sins that I may have done today. I did it, like, almost every night because mm. out of that thought of, like, okay, if I sin today, then I have to be forgiven of it. Cause if I'm not forgiven my sin, like I I can't go to heaven because then there's, you know, God doesn't dwell with sin or whatever. So therefore I have to pray and make sure that I'm forgiven of it. And, and there's just this constant, like, okay, I have to do this and make sure I'm okay on this and this, and you're trying to check all the boxes, but our assurance is in, is in Christ. And we know Mm -hmm. we're going to have that struggle with sin. Um, Like it reminds me of Romans seven, where the apostle Paul is saying, like the, the things that I, I don't want to do, those are the very things that I do um, and things I do want to do. I don't do those. And, and basically yeah. he's he's talking about this inner struggle that the Christian has, knowing uh, the way we're supposed to live and how oftentimes we, we don't measure up to it. But in those moments yeah. is that we're not losing our salvation. Um, we look to Christ in those moments who who has saved us from these sins um, and our assurance can can be in him. Um, It's once again, just trying to put it in our own hands and, and trying to be in control of it all. But we look to Christ in those moments. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the that's the freedom that that the Christian has that when we do fall into our sin, we immediately can go to Christ and and seek his forgiveness.
0: Yeah, struggling with with sin and doubts and Temptations and even like backsliding to some extent doesn't mean that we're unelect. That's just part of, of living in a sinful world, of, of still like being in the process of sanctification until we're fully glorified. We're going to have these struggles. And I think that's something where that app that I've seen that where people are like, you know, I still struggle with the sin. Does that mean I'm unsaved? And there are like really bad pastoral practices where people were like if you're continuing on in the sin you're not saved and and i mean well i want to get into it a, l- a little bit later but it's not the absence of sin that that marks you is is being regenerate but the 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 stain for your sin if you start if you ever lose that feeling of like that's gross like if you're continually like, you're like, oh, I gossiped again. Oh, I shouldn't. That's so wrong. I'm so sorry, God. That's a good sign. If you're like, ah, God, whatever, gossip. I, I'll gossip all the time. It's forgiven. <laughs> that's what's concerning. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's less the, oh yeah, go for it.
1: Well, that's where um, that's where we often see a struggle with doubt is because there's this struggle with sin and then someone is is realizing, okay, I'm constantly struggling with gossip, we'll go with gossip, the sin of gossip. Mm. I'm constantly gossiping with my friends and allowing them to gossip with me. I know this is wrong, but I still do it. And and sometimes I really enjoy doing it as well. And so that leads to this, this struggle with doubt that we, we can often have. And it's taking that struggle with sin and being like, because I have this sin in my life, I must not be a Christian because Christians aren't supposed to sin. Um, mm-hmm. When oftentimes that, like you were saying, that realization and that awareness of being like, oh, this is something that's wrong and something that I, I need to work on because it's not glorifying to God. Those are the the people there where it's like, it's actually a display of the Spirit's work in your life because he's convicting you of sin. Um, mm-hmm. And so when it comes to, doubt which is the the next one we wanted to talk about um we we're always looking at basically the what we can see we're very pragmatic in that so we won't always feel this assurance of salvation because we realize we don't have perfect faith like there there will be times where you struggle a lot with certain sins in a certain period of your life and you feel like things are maybe a little out of control and so you won't feel like you have that assurance in those moments, because you're looking at how you're living and you're looking at everything that's wrong and how maybe comparing yourself to other people. And in that moment, you're like, oh, I don't have that perfect faith that I'm supposed to have. And so we lose that assurance in our minds. Mm.
0: Yeah. I sort of, uh, one thing that I, one thought I had while I was sort of reading about doubt and looking to this is that, you know, you have the, Kind of, I, I get see kind of two general areas of doubt. It's our doubt in ourselves and our doubt in the gospel. And I think doubt in our ourselves is the big one there, where we often like our faith wanes and we think like, "Ooh, am I one of the elect?" Like, and when especially when you're struggling with sin, you're like, "Am I good enough?" And I've definitely had thoughts at times when like you hear verses like where Jesus says, "Not everyone that." Comes, says, Lord, Lord, like, you know, some of them, he's going to say, get away from me. I never knew you. And I'm thinking like, is that me? Am I one of those people? And I mean, if you have those doubts that you're not alone in that, I've definitely struggled with those doubts. I assume Kyle has as well. I don't know. I, I don't think you're, you, you're perfect. Don't are you?
1: Mind. Maybe <laughs> no, I, I
0: don't. Yeah. But. Yeah, I think the danger is I've heard stories of like really bad pastoral counseling, yeah, where someone comes in and they're like, no, I'm just really doubting this. And people are like, maybe you're not elect, maybe you're not saved. But doubting doesn't mean that when you're not saved, doesn't mean you're, you're not elect. And really, those are times if someone's ex- expressing that they have doubts, those are times for the the church for Christian community to come together to build one another up to encourage each other, to just be there for one another, not to heap more shame and doubt onto the person for feeling doubts.
1: Mm-hmm. Those are also the times where we should be examining ourselves to see whether we are in the faith, like these moments of doubts and these struggles with sin. Um, it's okay to take those moments and be like, okay why why do I desire these things and and that's mm-hmm. what what the Bible is saying is like examine yourself to see whether you 're in the faith, and maybe it does does take this time of of repentance and seeking out um, forgiveness from people, but examine yourself in those moments, but also rest in the assurance that Christ brings to us and um, when we were talking about this we we realized uh, a lot of this when it comes to different doubts that people have. Um, they get caught in this trap of doubt. And that's where we've seen a lot of people in this, you know, what's become a very prevalent thing in in, in Christianity and in culture is this idea of deconstruction and people deconstructing their faith um, to, the, to the point of apostasy and saying, yeah, I'm not a Christian anymore. I think it's all garbage. Mm. And a lot of that stems out of because people have these, these times of doubt and there's no one there to help them or they, they haven't been uh, taught where to look or taught the truth of the gospel, really. Um, and some people deconstruct their faith and they return and they come back to, they come back to the faith and there it's the, that moment of time where they're like, I don't know what's going on. Um, so I need to figure things out. And they, you know, they call that their, their deconstruction. Um, But we don't, so we don't believe that people make it to that point if they've truly been regenerated. Like, they won't just completely abandon everything. Do you think that's fair to say?
0: Yeah, I think that's, it's interesting because there's that that Matt Chandler clip going around, which I know we wanted Mm -hmm. to discuss a little bit, where he's like, you know, if people have this, this understanding, or they see Christianity, but they see it as, I can't remember his exact word he like, they just see it as, like, moral laws and stuff, and then they, they, mm-hmm. they deconstruct, but they, they actually taste of it, and I think that's, that's real, and that makes sense with everything else we've talked about, like, if, if you've been regenerated, if, uh, you know, you're having this experience, if you're communing with God, um, if he's giving you Faith, he's giving he's sanctifying you that's not something that you can just lose like mm-hmm. um i'm trying to think of like a good example but it's i don't know i mean maybe it's like if there's people who deny <laughs> maybe it's too too loaded but like people can deny covid until they have it if you have COVID, you're not going to stop believing in COVID while you have it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're yeah. aware of the idea of God, you're, you know all these things, um, you can stop believing, you can become convinced otherwise, but if you've actually experienced him, if you've actually known him, and you've been regenerated, you're not going to just stop believing.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a, a bonus episode we're going to do next. Um, so we want to really dive into this a little bit more. But First John two nineteen specifically is a very helpful verse in this conversation. It says, "They went out from us, but they were not of us. Um, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be plain that they are not. They are all not of us." And mm-hmm. so what John's saying there is like. We look, at, we look at people who were in church for a time, maybe with the, in the church community, and then all of a sudden they completely walk away from it and they abandon it. And what John's explanation of that is, is they were not truly saved. They were either playing the religious game. They saw it as just a moral code to follow, and now they don't want to follow it anymore. Um, but what we also acknowledge at the same time is that those people come back. But what John's mm-hmm. warning us here is he's saying, you know, if someone's walked away from the faith in that moment, we should assume that that they are they're an unbeliever. And so what do they need? They need the gospel We're um, okay. not to just be like, oh, they're just having they're just having a rough time. They'll come back to it. It's like in those moments, it's like as far as we can see, they were not tr- of what John says, they were not truly of us or they would have continued with us. Therefore. They need they need the gospel preached to them and to be called back to, to repentance and faith.
0: Um, yeah. Oh, really? That's true of all of us. Again, that 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 clip from the Matt Chandler sermon. I listened to the whole sermon through, and he's talking about the people he'd met who, were like, I grew up in church, and I, you know, I never heard the gospel, and I think that was true and like we've done episodes on our own stories and that's something that really resounded with me like yeah I definitely heard the gospel like there's no way I spent uh like 17 years attending church constantly Sunday school youth group all that and never heard it but I didn't really hear it like it, it didn't click in my brain and that's where we we talk about you know um oh, what, what's the, like, dang, I can't think of the, the phrase now, but basically, like, regeneration before faith. Like, mm-hmm. we're not going to believe until God makes that first move, until he gives us that first bit of grace to actually understand and for it to, to actually click in us. And we need to, even once we have that, we need to constantly be hearing the gospel because, yeah, we, our faith will wane our understanding, our our vision of what's real will, will stray. And we need to constantly being brought back to what's real, what's been done for us, what's being done in us, who Jesus is, who we are in him.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's that reality that God does often use trials and hard times and even doubts to bring us closer to him and to show us like, like for a long time, we can have it really easy if we just kind of stick in our Christian community and and don't go too far out. But then these moments of of doubt and these moments of questioning, God can actually use to build up our faith. Um, and it's in these moments of doubt as well, um, we're almost at a time here, so I want to bring it around to where our um, our application is. But this this whole idea of God is always sanctifying us. Sometimes it's through. Uh, through very easy times and sometimes it's through hard times even times of doubt and that's where he's sanctifying us in these moments of doubt we believe it's really important to go back to the means of grace because that's what we need in those moments of doubt to be reminded of God and his grace um, to go to his word and, and and read it and hear it proclaimed and, and truly uh, listen to what God is saying um, to spend time in prayer I know that's really hard when 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 doubt is such a big thing in, in your life, like um, in my times where I've had times of doubt and stuff, prayer is not number one on my list at all. Um, mm. Because you're often doubting, like, does God even listen to me? Is he, is he even hearing this? So, but having prayer, um, w- whether it's you praying or having someone pray for you, asking for that um, is huge. And that goes along hand in hand with Christian fellowship as well. Mm. Um, being involved in a church, involved in a christian community in that sense um there is nothing okay we're recording this in 2021 just for future reference for everyone these past two years there's was nothing worse for spiritual life than when um when we didn't know what was going on with covid and churches were mm. were closed for weeks because we were everyone was not only scared of the unknown and what was going on but then there there wasn't you know regular church services or small groups or things like that happened, and people were split up and isolated, and that f- Christian fellowship was just gone and there was nothing worse than that for the spiritual life of of people individually and the and the church as a whole
0: yeah I definitely when when you, what you're doubting is the reality of the gospel. I've heard the criticism a lot from you know. Um, ex-evangelicals people have deconstructed that they're like when they expressed doubt they were told to to pray it away but prayer can be powerful in navigating doubt and when you're communing with God like I said when you're actually talking to him and you're reading his word and hearing back it's ha- a lot harder to you know doubt the existence of someone you're you're communing with but also like ask questions and seek answers like a huge area of doubt for me in my story was um scripture in the canon of scripture and that's one that comes up and that people raise with me all the time like how could you trust this bible but do research explore the area of doubt don't just take your doubt as truth and make yourself an echo chamber of people who also have the same doubts like look into apologetics listen to some debates explore that as well um if our doubt isn't in ourselves then yeah i mean that's that's a christian experience i hope you have some doubt in yourself um, but that's where we turn to the means of grace and like how I said I'd come back to it so I don't want to not come back to it before we're, we're done even though we're getting long but how do we know we're elect or how do we know we're we're in because we're regenerate and we know we're regenerate because we have belief for one but beyond that because even the demons believe in fear you hate your sin John Owen says be killing sin or sin will be killing you 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 need to revile your sin and um, and if you don't have that means a grace if you don't have that get to know jesus get to know who he is his holiness we want to disdain our sin we want to be rid of it um, if you're regenerate you're going to want to follow christ you're going to desire mm-hmm. after him if it seems like a chore again <laughs> means a grace read his word mm-hmm. listen to the sermons get in christian community pray because if we're regenerate we're going to be being sanctified we're going to be being drawn to him we're going to be changed to look more like him to love him more and to hate sin more yeah and all the while resting
1: in the work of the cross and in what he accomplished for us and, and is continuing to accomplish in us the christian life is is a life of rest um mm. and often the the root of doubt is that that inner desire to work for our salvation and to make it dependent on us and in what we do and trying to check off all the boxes when really Christ calls us to rest in him and what and what he's done and what he's accomplished.
0: All right well thanks for listening this long (laughs) again um, if you have questions comments snide remarks if you're struggling with doubts if you thought we were unfair we want to hear from you because this i mean even the 40 minutes that's not a lot of time to discuss these things we want to interact with you join our discord uh we can have conversations there you can also then have conversations with other listeners which is cool um send us an instagram message comment on youtube videos sometimes we're slow because we do have day jobs but we we do try to reply to everyone um yes
1: And we're going to be taking a few weeks off for those loyal listeners. We're taking a few weeks off because it's Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. And uh, we have to, you know, do all the holiday stuff and enjoy our holidays and see family Family. and all that stuff. So we're going to we're going to have a kind of a bonus episode probably out next week. Um, But we're going to take a few weeks break over Christmas. Hope you don't miss us too much. We will be back. Don't you worry. We'll see you next time. Bye.